Chapter 35, Crowing. Luke 22, 60 through 62. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. If you were one of the 12 disciples, you would have gotten a backstage pass to some of the most incredible moments in human history. If you were one of Jesus's guys, you would have walked and talked with Jesus himself. You would have seen countless people miraculously rescued from bondage and freed from suffering. You would have witnessed the reversal of grief into rejoicing as Jesus literally raised people from the dead. You would have seen hopelessness overwhelmed by the joy of dreams coming true in his presence. You would have seen nature itself bowing to the one who spoke it all into being. Man, the things you would have seen and heard. You would have heard him teach on the scriptures and open up mysteries never before uttered outside of heaven. You would know the comfort of his hand on your shoulder as he prayed for you. You would know what made him laugh and you would feel the world itself lean in and respond with an almost audible sigh of gladness when he did laugh. If you were one of Jesus's main guys, you would know how it felt to have him look you in the eyes and know you completely. You would be familiar with the depth, tenderness, sincerity, and invitation of his gaze. What was it like to meet his eyes of love? If you were one of the disciples, wouldn't you be tempted to be pretty proud of the fact? I mean, I know I would. I would probably get t-shirts and business cards made. I'd probably even get a tattoo about it. Maybe just a big, fat, bold 12, someplace real conspicuous. I bet those guys were so proud to be his. When people crowded around Jesus, they probably got pushed back in line by one of the guys saying, hey, now, back up, folks. Unless you're in the 12, you're going to have to take about three big steps back. Only the 12 beyond this point. I bet their conversations with outsiders always started the same way. You know, the thing about being in the 12 is, well, I mean, now that I'm in the 12. Oh, dude, the Messiah said the funniest thing the other day. Check this out. I was sitting there with the rest of the 12 when he said, I mean, if you were close personal friends with Jesus and he had picked you to be on his starting team to change the whole world, how are you supposed to keep that bottled up? Wouldn't you just walk around with a little spring in your step and your head held high that you were his? Of course you would. I mean, I would, or at least I think I would. I hope I would. The thing is that in some way we are already in that exact situation. He has picked us to be his. He has recruited us to join his starting team to change the world. He has something eternal for us to do. He's called us his friends. We have been eyewitnesses of his majesty and power. Our hearts are works in progress that show what his love can do. We are his. And that's something to be excited about. 
I mean, I don't know if we should be proud in the sense that we've done anything to make it happen or anything like that. We shouldn't be boasting or crowing about it in the streets like Peter Pan, but we should definitely be glad that we are his. In Luke chapter 22, Peter had the worst moment of his life so far. The detachment of soldiers Judas brought seized Jesus and led him away to the house of the high priest, and Peter followed them at a distance. Out in the courtyard of the house, some of the servants had built a fire to keep warm, and they were seated around it. Peter sidled up next to them in the dark and tried to blend in. He was really trying to see what was going to happen to Jesus. You see, in those days, certain rooms in people's houses were open, without walls, And Jesus would have been in one of these open rooms at the high priest's house. Maybe Peter was waiting, listening and looking for an opportunity to be a hero and rescue Jesus. Or maybe in his shock and fear, he just didn't know what else to do. Either way, he sat at the fire. Some of the firelight illuminated Peter's face and one of the servant girls recognized him. She called him out as being one of Jesus's guys, but rather than stick his chest out and brim with pride, Peter lied about it, denying that he even knew Jesus. Someone else recognized him later on, but Peter denied it again. And then an hour after that, someone else called him out for being one of Jesus's guys by pointing out by his accent that Peter was a Galilean. And this time he really went off denying it for the third time. At that exact moment, a few things happened at once. Above the noise of the fire, the servants, and the trial, a rooster crowed loud and clear. At the same moment, Jesus turned his bloody, beaten face and looked Peter right in the eyes. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said earlier, and ran out of the courtyard into the dark of night, sobbing. You see, Luke told us this would happen. Jesus had predicted it earlier that night, but Peter didn't want to face it. And now it had happened, just as Jesus said it would. And now Peter had to face it. He had to face himself. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had to face yourself at your worst? Have you seen the reflection you swore you wouldn't have to face? Have you fallen farther than you ever thought you would? Have you ever shocked and even hated yourself? If you haven't been there yet, keep on living. Your day's coming. You see, this moment comes to all honest people, but it's not hopeless. In fact, it's really the beginning of all freedom. You see, the more you think about it, the better it gets. Jesus knew that this moment was going to happen to Peter. He knew who Peter was going to be, and yet he chose Peter anyway. Jesus looked Peter in the eye after his sin. Have you ever thought about what would have happened if he hadn't looked? Like if Jesus knows and he had looked away, it would be like saying, I told you you'd fail. I'm so done with you. But he did look. 
He looked at Peter as if to say, I knew this was coming, dude, and I'm not giving up on you. In his worst moment, Peter saw that gaze of love that he knew so well. The truth is, the sound of the crowing will come in my life and in yours. Whenever it does, it's a chance for you to look to Jesus and know he's looking at you. He sees you. He loves you. The sound of the crowing is your chance to remember that he has not given up on you. It's the moment you need to remind yourself of things that are true, that he knew who you would be, that he knew this moment would happen, that he chose you anyway. He's not ashamed to be called your God, and he's not finished with you yet. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That you've already crossed over from death to life and will never be judged. Jesus died to be able to look you in the eye as you are and still call you his own. For more, get to a quiet place. Read Luke 22, 54 through 62, and John 5, 24. What does it mean to you to know that Jesus already knew everything you'd ever do before he ever picked you to be his, and yet he still wants you anyway? What does it mean to you to know that you will never be judged? How do you respond to the beautiful things that are true of you because of him? Let him know. <laughs>